Hello and welcome to the How To Hobby Podcast. I'm your host, John Power, bringing you episode 79 of our podcast here. We are the How To Hobby Boys, and we'd like to extend you an absolutely warm welcome to the How To Hobby Lounge. If you're joining us for the first time, come on in. The water is great. Sean Bennett, my fearless co-host, welcome to the desk this afternoon. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for the welcome. I'm good. Glad to be sitting at the desk today. You know, I just got out of the warm water. You know, it's, I'm feeling good. I'm <laughs> feeling good in the lounge today. But no, I'm glad yeah. glad to be here and glad to be spending this time with you because what part of what we'll get into in this episode is just a lot of the craziness that we've been dealing with lately. And, you know, sometimes when you're you're pushing it hard and you're like, man, I just don't know if I have the energy or the the, the I can't give the charisma that I really want to give, you know, with my friends, family or the podcast. Sometimes it's it's nice to just push yourself to do it and spend time together. So I'm I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad that I'm here. I, I couldn't say say it better myself, Sean. Wonderful to have you. The desk is is spick and spam. We we really need to tip those cleaners better. Uh, <laughs> they're doing an absolutely phenomenal job here. And hey, by the way, big news for Arizona. We are now going to the World Series, my man. I don't know if oh, you saw. Oh, I did. I did. I did. Kate and I were talking about that. Diamondbacks are making a push, and this is pretty big for Arizona because we just had the Super Bowl here mm-hmm. uh, to start the year off. Right into waste management, and now and the go into the fall vibes with a little bit of fall classic World Series in the desert. I mean, that has got to be economic. I I couldn't imagine coming to the desk this morning as like a financial planner for the uh, city of Phoenix, the great city of Phoenix. They're probably just like, oh, 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 oh. oh they're so stoked off the tourism money. And don't don't forget, do me a favor, tell me what the high was today for your weather. Oh, uh, that's a that's a really good question, Sean. I actually don't know. I think it was in the seventies. Oh, oh, oh okay. sorry, 80, 83. I, okay. I gave it. But the I fact gave, that it's seventy think, right now. I think in the last episode or the episode before, you were saying we were still in the hundreds. So that is a huge accomplishment and a really good sign that fall is just around the corner. Just just around the corner. <laughs> Eight, Eighty degrees, baby. It was feeling feeling good. The the bike ride home, much needed. Uh, you know, barely, barely even broke a sweat. That's when, you know, it's starting to really come, Mm -hmm. come to, you know, the, just the tips of the knees. It's really weird. I'm going to tell you when you, when you bike as much as I do, Sean, it, it it gets strange because certain things like just nothing sweats really is what it feels like. Your, your body is so well, so used to the, the effort. Uh, and then especially when you drop in temp, I mean, I've been riding through a hundred and a hundreds. And then when you drop to 80, your body's like, oh, what's this? This is this isn't even where's my sauna? Like where where is my my high high level intensity? I lost my capsule corp capsule at negative 10 gravity or were you a Dragon Ball Z fan? I wasn't. Oh man. <laughs> I watched I watched a little bit of it. I know I should have been more into it, but I wasn't. Okay, I'm gonna send you a video after this. But okay, there's deal. some great scenes of of Goku in there, like he would train you could this capsule like you could go into deep space and blast yourself with negative gravity and that's how they would train to get to the next like super sane level and it was just he'd be on like two fingers 
10 million uh, <laughs> doing push-ups and and you know in like negative 20 times earth gravity or something it was just it was so good <laughs> um so yeah so tell me a little bit about this week sean we've been having a we've alluded to it we've been having a little bit of a saga between you and you and i at work mm-hmm. to end out the year uh happy q4 everybody and and so yesterday i think uh you know you kind of took a little bit of a a punt on the evening cooking and you just took yourself out to a nice old dinner yes so I so did. let let the listeners know I, i'm curious where, where did you go so if anyone from san diego has spent a lot of time in kearney mesa specifically on convoy street you'll notice that there is a lot of asian food in the neighborhood and i you know growing up having my parents lived in japan for six years both my brother and i were born there you know like asian food has a special place in my heart and i've been eating it since i was a little kid i learned how to use chopsticks before i even learned how to use a fork like that what? was yep my parents taught me chopsticks for a fork so like that that's the the level of of i love asian food in general anything any i'm, I'm telling anything so last a- night anything anything so last top, night, I, top asian dish real quick spitfire sushi hands down Su- sushi okay you are hands and down. you're you're like a raw sushi guy oh yeah Okay. Okay. Yep. Good. To, why have we never had sushi together? I don't know. I don't do it super. Or I haven't done super often because it's kind of pricey. But it's it's one of my my lovely splurges. Like growing up, anytime we had a birthday, family get together, a graduation, whatever, we always went to get sushi. To the point that the sushi chefs, the place we would go to, started recognizing our family and would start over the years giving us free mochi and desserts oh, and all kinds no of stuff because we went there a lot. But Last night I didn't really feel like cooking. I was kind of kind of struggling energy wise, and so on the way home I stopped over to a place called Tofu House, which doesn't do just tofu. They do meat, but they do one of the most unique things is they do hot stone meals. So they actually bring the stone bowls, they put them in the oven. They're like four hundred degrees, and then they take that out. And they put a bunch of rice and then whatever meats you want. So I with meat parties, so bulgogi and a bunch of other pre-seasoned meats. And then seasonings and veggies and everything, corn, all in the bowl at 400 degrees. And then they bring it out to the table. So it's just steaming. And they actually have baskets of eggs on the table that you crack ah. yourself into the Ooh. bowl. And then you stir it up and the hot stone cooks the egg while it's frying the rice. It's one of the coolest experiences. I love, I love going. That. And then I ate the sides. They had like three different kinds of kimchi, cabbage, and radish kimchi, and then uh, cucumber kimchi as well. And just just stuffing my face with all of this food. And it was a really good meal because it was high quality. You know, something that's really hard to do at home. I couldn't really mimic this myself. So it's why I choose to go out. But really good meat, really good rice, just good food in general and i left feeling so energized actually afterwards it was a good debrief to the day a good way to relax so yeah uh anyone in san diego is interested in hot stone bowls go to tofu house on convoy tofu house hot stone bowls Ooh, it's called the stone to tofu tofu house okay I can't even I can't even get it right but oh there it is we're gonna put it in the show notes ladies and gentlemen it is gonna be uh unreal uh I we've got we've got it we're gonna have everything in there so 
that's that's wonderful. I can't I can't wait uh, to try it myself, Sean. We need we always say this, but we need to experience this year as a how to hobby gift to ourselves after everything we've gone through uh, throughout this year. The consistency, the power, it's all there. We got new desks, we got a new lounge. We've got to take ourselves out to a sushi dinner uh, in December. You and me. Uh, let's let's make that happen. So let's do it. I've I got have a some spot. Fantastic. I, oh, you have a spot. I was gonna say I have a spot. So we we love to oh, compare we spots. Have, okay, we'll compare <laughs> spots. Okay, okay, we'll we'll talk after this. Um, I'm gonna put this on the bottom so we don't forget. Um, so anyway, that's great to hear, Sean. And and why would you do such a thing? I mean, it's we're we're kind of I guess I'm leading the witness now at this point, but mm-hmm. we. We have uh, tonight's episode, listeners, if you're curious, it's going to be all about how we deal with burnout and the tactics we employ around and how to navigate burnout in today's current day and age. Because with the amount of screens we're looking at every single day, with the amount of work we're being forced to do, it seems like more and more it's an everyday thing. Uh, where the expectation is all the work needs to be done by today. So uh, that that's something that is not healthy usually when the deadline is. Let me let, let's start off with this, Sean. In your mind, what is a a good deadline from a from a boss from a higher up that's giving you a deadline? What do you like to hear from that boss? I prefer to when they ask me what I think the deadline should be, because it's really difficult. And I, I've been, you know, in kind of that upper level management where I've been the one pushing the deadlines. Yep. And the, the tough part is if the management is the one setting the deadline, but they don't understand the full amount of work required, it can be really difficult to set a realistic deadline. So I really like, when they come to you and say, what do you think the deadline should be? You give the deadline and they're allowed to push back on that. They can be like, okay, that's a little too far. I think we should move that in. What do you need in order to get this done in the deadline that I want? I think that's the right way to approach setting a deadline. So what what do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I think I'll give the, I prefer having a month and a half out to really mm-hmm. get everything together. I'm, I'm a big fan. You know, if it in a perfect world for me, I would like to operate on a two month window so that I know what's, so that I can buffer prior to everything kind of hitting the fan at the same time. Cause I hate mm-hmm. being caught off guard and, and surprised. I don't think, and we were just talking about this, I don't think we as engineers do our best work under the gun. Uh, in fact, I can attest to that, making mistakes. Um, the mistakes go up the the amount of time that with with the reduction of time you have so yes, it's it's sort of like this uh exponential amount of mistakes versus time going down uh and we'll we'll graph this out i need to start getting my whiteboard sean we got to get one of those installed and uh in the lounge for our listenership but it's very important that you understand this basic principle listener that if we can preload ourselves, and I'm a big fan of it because I love pre-planning. I'll get certain things ready in advance. You can start getting documents tailored ahead of time, uh, especially in our world, Sean, where we're talking about um, technical documents. 
mm-hmm. right? There's a lot that goes into it. And and you really, the thing that's so interesting too, I don't know if you feel this way, but some of the best work does happen at the very end. But if you don't have everything put in place to like kind of surround you with safety, then then you're in trouble. Because in there's no matter what, no matter how much due diligence you've done up front, there's always that last ditch effort of like, I didn't think about that until right now when yes. so-and-so talked to me <laughs> and they brought up that great point and now I have to change the design and it's like literally going out the door. Yep. So it does happen a lot. So I see what you're saying. The The month and a half is usually good. It's usually unrealistic though. It's really hard for managers to plan that far ahead. Usually it's a couple of weeks is what I experienced. At ASML, we've done this cool thing where we have quarterly planning meetings where every three months, the entire department, it's like a hundred people gets together and spends three days planning all of our tasks for the next three months. And the intention there is every team knows what everyone else is working on. If yep. there's something that this team is doing that you know interacts with my piece, I know this is when they'll have it done. And so we do these three month windows. The reality though, is things are always going to go wrong. It's just, it's life. Right. And so it can be really tough to plan that far ahead when you have no idea on the day to day, what could go wrong, what softwares crash, what it support is needed, you know, what design changes are going to be needed, what escalations are going to come. And so it's, I like that we do it, but it sometimes can be a little unrealistic. So that, that, Six weeks, I think, is usually a good mark. You can usually tell. I find most of what I like is about a two-week mark. I want to know for the next two weeks, what do you want me to be doing? At the end of that two weeks, do we go? what are the next two weeks? What do you want me to be doing? And I find that works really well with my the way that my brain works with task management. Yeah. No, I, I like that. And I think I do like the, the employment of a sort of like a three-week... Three or sorry, you said three month. Three, yeah, three month months. is is a sweet spot, I think, uh, just to get everything on. Now, again, some people don't like. I'm I'm with you. Like some people aren't as. It can be a little overwhelming, uh, so it, you, you got to be careful. And we can grow in this too. This mm-hmm. is not something that you just know how to do everything right off the bat. And I think, depending on where you are, listeners, in your career and what you have going on, if we're all at different levels of the totem pole. It's uh, it's important to just understand what's working for you and what isn't working for you. And at the end of the day, focus on what you're being rated on. I think I think that's very important to hitting your deadlines. Mm-hmm. Avoid some of the noise by specifically targeting the dates that you are being measured measured by. Because there's a lot of extra stuff that'll swing in through the, throughout the day that you're not. Nobody's gonna get that. And I think it's very important that we understand that. So before we get too far into it, Sean, uh, let's go through our, our social media. We want to welcome you all to the show. If you're new here, this is the How To Hobby Podcast. We'd love for you to follow the show. Give us a five-star review if you're enjoying what we're doing here, enjoying the vision of our platform. Uh, share with a friend that may get value out of this as well. We want to fill our listenership with value. We do have a website, howtohobbypodcast.com, and that's where you can get all of our previous episodes. We have a YouTube video. We're continuing to try and push our YouTube side of this as well, along with blog posts, um, gear lists, and things of that nature. We also have uh, Spotify and X account. 
formerly known as Twitter, and that's at How to Hobby Podcast. And we can be reached directly at a Gmail account, and that's How to Hobby Podcast at gmail.com. Direct link right into Sean's Neuralink. He got this implant, implant, and it's crazy. I mean, Amazon, they're still rolling these out. So maybe ask where you can get yours, a special program, but it's working for, for Sean so far. So send us your in real time thoughts about the show, and we'd love to get back to you and, and start a dialogue on some of the things you think we're missing or some of the ways that you deal with burnout in your own life and your career. So that's where where we're going tonight and where we are pushing the show. It's it's wonderful for us to share this with you. So thank you. Now, let's talk about our anti-burnout strategies tonight. So we're going to start by saying why this is important. We like to frame the window before we stain the glass. And this is no different. This segment, let, let's frame it up, Sean. How are some of the ways that we we know and have experienced the importance of dealing with burnout correctly. Yeah. So burnout is something that has become really talked about in the last maybe five to 10 years, but I know it's existed for a long time. You know, everyone is, has heard the word burnout. I hope you've heard the word burnout, but the concept of burnout is you are pushing yourself too hard for too long and you start to hit that breakdown point where your mental capacity starts to dip, your physical capacity starts to dip, your health capacity starts to dip, your emotions, your mood, everything will start to tank. And that is the point where you have worked too hard for too long. So the reason that is important is it has become really, really common in the last few years to be talking about this because with, in my opinion, with the way that the economy has gone, the way that inflation has gone, especially in the last year, it feels like you have to be working yourself to death to be able to survive, to be able to make enough money to have a family, to have a home, to have everything. Like you have to work, you have to get that job, get the next thing, get the next bonus, get the next, like you have to keep working yourself to death. And it's caused a lot of problems. I've seen it in friends, I've seen it in myself. And so that is the reason why to us, finding these anti-burnout tips and skills are so important because it's what allows you to have a successful life. In my opinion, successful family, successful friends, successful business, all of this is super, super important. So the reason that I work so hard to employ these, the skills we'll talk about tonight is that it's what allows me to keep doing what I'm doing, right? If I keep working this hard and I keep crushing it and just killing myself, then at one point I'm going to falter. And at that point, I won't be able to still keep succeeding. I still won't be able to still be a good team member or a good manager or a good family member, husband, wife, whatever it may be, that your ability to do that is going to drop. And so I employ techniques to fight that because I want to keep doing what I'm doing. I like my job. I want to keep doing it. I don't want to burn out. I like my family. I like Kate. I don't want to burn those relationships. So I employ these techniques because I've been to that place and I don't want to do it again. And and where do you think this whole idea of burnout came from in the first place? Like like is the is the end of burnout in your mind, Sean, just 
that's it. Like you, you don't have anything else to give. So you shut down and that's it. Or, cause I think there might be some different, some nuanced level here in terms of where you're at on the burnout scale. And mm-hmm. so it'd be nice to really quantify, at least in our terms, everybody's yeah. going to have an idea of where it is, but like where maybe you could be on the burnout and where, you know, you're at a critical level. I think that would really help our listenership. Yeah, so what are- I think that's a great point. Cause for me, I, the way that I would frame that is more of a daily versus a more of a long-term burnout. Yeah. So when it, yeah. on a, on a daily burnout, I think that, I guess, I don't even know if burnout's the right word, but when you come home from work and you feel like, oh my like God, maybe I, mental output, like on a yeah. da- daily, like mental or, mm-hmm. uh, uh, your output gauge. Yeah. When you start to, to stare at your computer screen at work and you start to have the thought of, I'm not doing as good work as I could be doing because I'm starting to hit that point where my, my mental capacity is dropping or my energy levels are dropping and you've put in a hard day's work prior. I think that's a key here because there's, yeah. there's this concept if you don't, if you're burning out too fast, like if you're, if you're by hour, like two in your day and you're burning out, you need to start You've already hit the coffee maker like eight times. Yeah. Like what? You're, in a, you're in a bad spot. You are on the long-term burnout. When we're talking daily, it's when you put a hard eight to 10 hours in and you're looking at the screen, you're like, man, I just need to go home. I want to go spend time with family. I'm just a little, my, my output's being, it's diminished. I'm not doing the work to the point that like, this is, this time isn't worth my time anymore. I'm not giving to the company or to my team everything that I could be right. But but this is not, this is not critical. This is just the daily understanding. Everybody's going to have a different max output gauge. And also like a different, if you're young in your career, you know, maybe you can't put out as much as somebody else who, who has more experience and has more understanding of the job and where they're at. And you have to understand that. Also be patient with yourself on this because de- again, depending on where you're at, there's, there's so much here to unpack and, but being patient, I think is, is important. So that's like level one, right? Yes. That's like <laughs> dipping into the pool and just understanding that on a daily level, I have a max output I can give. And hopefully that coincides, that max output has coincided with a good level of daily work yep. that your management can say, great job, good and faithful servant, uh, you've done it, and go home and get yourself a, a nice um, tofu house dinner. <laughs> yes, I, I, it's a good point. There's, <laughs> I think on a daily basis, we should be working to hit that point. That is the point that at least I look back and say, I did a good, good day's work is when I hit that exhaustion point. I'm going to go home. I'm going to relax. I'm going to spend time with family. And that off time counteracts the daily burnout. That's when I think you're in a good cycle. You push yourself to your output, your max output, you go home and that allows you to reset. So you can come in the next day and start again from scratch, right? Start from zero go to the end of the day, do the same thing. That is a, in my opinion, a healthy amount of like pushing it. yourself hard and really succeeding. When that starts to get a little harder is when you're looking at more of a week to week basis All and right. you're All pushing day to day and maybe, you know, the stress levels of work have gotten a little higher. You're having to work a little longer and you're noticing, you know, no matter how much sleep you feel like you're getting, you're just not coming in refreshed the next day. And then that compounds and, Oh, the time of the family was it just didn't do it for me tonight. Like I'm still burnt out coming the next day. That is when you're starting, like this is the starting phase. So I would say like the climbing the hill 
towards more of a long-term burnout, right? Like this, okay. that is to be expected, in my opinion. When you're working a, a job that is going to, at times, require maybe a week-to-week burnout, that's normal. At least in, in what we've seen, you're going to go through stressful times. You're going to go through crazy. As long as that starts to dip back down and you start to get back towards phase one. So we can call it like phase one is daily. Phase two is maybe you're going one week, maybe two weeks. That's when it's starting to get a little crazy. And then- And and, and when you say week, you just mean the work level has not faded, like turned down and you're correct. still having to put out, a, your max out, you're pushing above your max output. Like yes. like each and every day, you're going at least an hour to two hours over your max output threshold, and not feeling refreshed. That yes. and and over about a week to two weeks, depending on who you are, that is then entering the three foot zone or phase two. You are yes. now kind of moving towards the deep end here. Yeah, and, this is when you're starting to starting to get concerned and when you should start expressing this point when you're going from let's say phase one is daily phase two is your the week to week phase three is when you're starting to hit it's gone two to three weeks maybe four weeks as soon as it's stretched over to there at that point is when you need to be talking to your management and saying hey i'm starting this burnout phase I'm starting to struggle. I'm noticing my daily outputs falling and your management will see this too. And the work that you're delivering, no matter how hard you work, you can only do so much. And so they're going to start seeing your outputs tanking a little bit. Hopefully they see that you're hitting this and they, they can work with you to bring this back. But if you're starting to hit this two plus weeks where it's this daily above and beyond max output, going home is not feeling refreshed. You're not coming in your weekends aren't refreshing enough to do a whole other five-day week, that's when you've got to start employing some of the techniques that we're going to talk about. All right. And and so the end, the phase three, the final phase, you would say is obviously that has continued. You have continued to push over your max output for what, a month yeah. to two two months i mean I, I feel like maybe over a month in my opinion is when it's it's getting out of okay. hand that's when what's happening is that the when you come in and you're doing eight hours you're in the office for quote unquote eight hours realistically you're only giving like maybe four hours worth of real work okay and the other four you're just burnt there you're you're not helping the team you're only hurting everybody you're only hurting yourself and this is the phase, in my experience, where you'll start to see that starting to affect outside of work too, starting to affect the family, the friends, the personal life, your mental health. That's the phase where that's going to start tanking. And the second, in my opinion, that your in-work life starts to negatively affect your outside-of-work life, that's when the, the line has been crossed and you have to step back and say something's wrong. I need to find a way to fix this because no one should have to have their personal life negatively affected by their work life. Yeah, that's great. Wonderful, Sean. I think that the burnout meter is here to stay. And I think I'm going to start uh, thinking about it and implementing it. And there's probably people that have different levels of yep. uh, along that spectrum. But overall, I think that was a good way of breaking it down. So let's talk about, you know, why this is specifically important. Um, in terms of, or, or again, some of the ways that we've seen these anti burnout tips 
uh, take shape in our lives. And, and again, to keep us refreshed and out of that phase two, phase three zone. Yeah. So this is where we're going to start talking about the skills that we've implemented to help change this, to help implement these anti-burnout uh, ways in which we've learned the hard way and, and not so much the hard way, but we've seen other people do good things that have helped them deal with this stress and not to get from phase two to phase three. That's really the goal is to not hit that burnout zone. So some of this stuff is things you should be doing on a daily basis to help with that normal daily burnout. So it doesn't increase. And some of this is going to be a little bit more on the long term of skills that you can do. So the first thing for me when I go to lunch, I do my darndest to get steps in, to get my blood flowing and get some fresh air. And the reason that I do this, I, I talked about it a little bit in our last episode. So if you haven't gone and listened to that, we talked about some of our techniques that we use to ground ourselves. I like to go, go for a quick walk when I'm having a stressful day because it allows me to remember that there's stuff bigger than me. The sky's not falling. The sun's still out. There's still bees. There's still birds. There's still other people. There's cars. There's beautiful plants. There's good smells. Like those kind of help connect me back to, oh, okay, just take a deep breath. It's just work. It'll be okay. It's just work. That is a good technique that I've implement. I, I try to implement every day. And if I don't do it every day, every other day, but some form of get the blood flowing, get outside, get some fresh air. Do you do the same thing? Uh, yeah. And and the listenership knows this about me, Sean. But uh, yeah, I'm a big, big proponent of getting out and, and doing things every single day. So one of my one of my bread and butter skills is writing to work. And this has been something that I've employed for I just since I started my career, actually, and I've people ask me sometimes, oh, do you, actually, I just got this question the other day at work um, because I was changing to more like my cycling gear to then get on the road because it's kind mm-hmm. of for me, there's two things that have really helped myself getting out of the work funk. And the routine for me is something that's just been so important throughout the day of just keeping the momentum on keeping the, when I'm at work, I stay engaged, but then when it's time to be done, it's a very clear cut. And for me, that's been huge. So for instance, like when I come in, I actually have shoes at work and I don't know if you remember this about me, but I kept shoes at work every single day because I ride cycling shoes into Mm -hmm. work. When I get in, I'm like, Mr. Rogers, I come in, I take off my jacket, I put on my Well, in San Diego, maybe I'd put on a jacket. I don't do that here. (laughs) But um, I take off my cycling shoes and I put on my work shoes. And it's like, okay, the day has started. And when it's hot, obviously, I'm like changing my shirt. You know, I I, I, I have to do a number of other things to get ready for the day. So it's a transition of, okay, now I'm at work. And then at the end of the day, subsequently, there's a transition to, okay, now I'm leaving work. And I usually go into the men's restroom and, and change into my gear. And one of my fellow engineers was like, Oh man, what's it? Do you ride to work every day? And I was like, yeah. And I get that pretty, pretty often. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are always interested by it. And he's like, Oh, you must like love fitness. And I was like, actually, no, I just love cycling. I just love what it does for me 
and and it's like you know i could rattle down i mean it's like i could give the the longest answer to this ever <laughs> and just rattle all the benefits none of them have to do with fitness i mean maybe at the bottom it's like oh yeah i get fitness as a bonus but it's mm-hmm. not driven by fitness if you want to be fit don't ride to work just go to the gym yeah. or just go or just like work out at home there are this easier is some, ways <laughs> yeah this is just something that's way more crazy and way more different i mean to really commit to doing this every single day i'm at uh i just checked my log on shava i'm i officially crossed the three thousand miles on the year mark wow so that's uh that's i i like to always get that's kind of where i've been i think since i started five years ago i usually am about 25 you know 2500 plus on the year and i think it's been around 3000 so I'll, I'll be interested to see i feel like i'm continuing to go up in mileage which has been mm-hmm. interesting like as i've just continued cuz i ride for fun on the weekends yeah it's something that just re- renews my body like renew and sorry not body mind it's my mind and my mind alone and that's the thing that people don't really quite get because they've never done it Mm-hmm. I would encourage you listeners, and I've talked through this process. If you're interested, start slow with this one, because not only are you going to be burning it at work mentally, you're also going to be burning it when you get on the bike. And that takes a while to get that symbiotic relationship. Because even sometimes for me, if it's been a hard day and I've gone to the gym, because now we, now we have a gym on site and I work out in the morning, I'll usually mm-hmm. like ride to work work out and then go to work and then ride home. And sometimes like if I've done legs in the day, oh man, it'll be like, oh, this is going to be a long one. <laughs> but yeah, so that's a big one for me. And I would encourage people to find that thing for them that that really just lets your mind detach. Because what I do in that time between home and the office is so important to who I am when I get home. Mm-hmm. And that's the the big key here. That's what I'm getting out of this benefit is I come home, I'm happier and I'm more even keel. And I've given my body, my hormones, that time to like detox and kind of balance out into, hey, I'm back to normal life. I'm just a normal guy now. I'm not some crazy engineer designing rocket ships. Um, yeah, I, I was talking with a coworker of mine who rides his motorcycle to and from work a lot. And he actually lives right down the street from me. So it's about a half hour ride to get to and from the office. And he said the days that he rides his motorcycle, he finds he comes home in a better mood because when you're riding a when you're driving in the car, it's really easy to still think about work everything that was happening, the stresses, things I have to do tomorrow, morning meetings, whatever. When he rides his bike, He's noticing he has to be so focused on being safe because people are horrible drivers, focusing so hard on being safe and, and focusing on everything around him that he doesn't have the ability to focus on work. And so by the time he gets home, he's disconnected mentally yep. from the office. And so he comes in and he can have a better relationship with his girlfriend and with dinner and with life and whatever he's got going on because he he literally spent a half hour with without the ability to think about work it wasn't possible to do or he was going to risk his life and he says like those are the those are my favorite days it's part of why i ride the bike sometimes is yeah. just because it gives me that time to, to disconnect and i i was like that's brilliant i never would have seen it like that but then i find myself driving home 
and I'm still thinking about work. <laughs> I get home, I'm still thinking about work. And it's like, man, I gotta stop doing that. So one of the things that I've been implementing lately, specifically on my drives, has been a lot more music. This is something that I've been I've done in the past, and I sometimes listen to music when I'm working, but I've been really focusing on music that makes me feel happy. I see sometimes my favorite genre of, of music in the world has always been metal. And I, I love it. I've been listening to it for 15 years. I love metalcore. I love hardcore, aggressive, screaming type music. I don't know why. I just always have. The issue I find is that it makes me very aggressive feeling because it's very <laughs> pump up and get your heart rate going. Not super effective if you're trying to relax on your drive home. Oh, it's super so, effective. So I've been doing a lot of uh, a lot of like folksy country style music, and it's been really cool to to see my oh. mood difference when I'm listening to like some Zach Bryan's or some Benjamin Todd's or some some other you know Western AF. If you haven't ever gone Western AF on YouTube, is one of my favorite YouTube channels Western that AF. takes these country folksy artists and does music videos. I'll, I'll send you one of my favorites. It's Wyoming by Benjamin Todd. And, you know, he's doing guitar, he's doing some harmonica and he's singing. And it's just, I don't know, there's something in my brain that blips when I do this and it allows me to disconnect from work. And the benefit of this is it's, I've hit my max output for the day. And then instead of continuing to think about it and burning myself more, I get in a good mood. I think about other things. It snaps me out of it. I can come home and I can make a good dinner. I can spend time with Kate. I can spend time with the dog. I can do whatever I want. And I'm not still tied to the office. And so that helps with the daily, which in turn helps with the weekly, which in turn helps with the longer burnout, right? Like this is daily tasks that you can do to avoid setting yourself up for the long-term failure. So music has been really effective for me lately. I also jump between different podcasts. And this one really helps mm. me as well because for the last five years, a lot of the podcasts I've listened to have been a lot of the self-help style, you know, self-improvement, getting better, working hard, mental health, uh, you know, like mindset focused. And like, that's, that's what I've been really focused on. A lot of military podcasts looking at, you know, this is what I did in the military and this is how I became a stronger person. And of, you know, I burnout, I didn't have burnout. I was in the military. I didn't have a choice. You know, those were kind of the things I listened to a lot and I still enjoy listening to Get those. it together, soldier. Yeah. But what I started finding is I was burning myself out at work, right, on a daily basis. And then I was coming home and I was listening to a podcast where I was working on self-improvement. And then I was, you know, now my brain's already tapped. And now I'm trying to look at how I can improve myself. And then now I'm trying to have conversations with Kate. And it just like, it was, I was pushing myself too hard. And so I've been, in the last three months, and it's really helping, I've been doing more entertainment podcasts, something like the Unsubscribe podcast. They're not talking about, self-help they're talking about video games or they're talking about other podcasts or they bring guests on comedians like all this stuff the uh bert kreischer his podcast two bears one cave fantastic entertainment podcast where it's just laughing and enjoying and having a good time and telling stories you know and that yeah. can be fun too because i can sit and i can listen to a story and I'm not worried. I'm not focusing on myself. I'm like, man, that's that's hilarious that he had to deal with that. <laughs> and that that 
also really helps because I feel like I'm building, you know, I'm not building a social connection. I'm, I'm collecting stories from people and that's something that I really like doing. And so some of these entertainment podcasts I'm filling in, you know, the Sean Ryan show, which is uh, Sean Ryan's a Navy SEAL. He does a lot of interview interviews with ex-military guys, but he also does, you know, with, with border patrol or guys who worked border security or guys from the CIA or pilots that have seen UFOs. Wow. Like he does this very entertainment sometimes styled podcast. Some of them are like three to four hours long. It's almost like a Joe Rogan podcast. Oh, goody. And it's so much fun, right? You can That's... just pause, you can pick up and, and it's it's really in-depth stories. His interview style is amazing. And I find that it helps kind of entertain me. I'm not watching TV. I'm not zoning out to just staring at a blank screen. You know, I'm listening to guys talk about their lives and tell stories. So well, it, it's happy too, right? So it's yeah. also, it's filling you with, with this. Sometimes you just need that. You yearn for that. I found that in COVID, especially COVID times, I had to, go to podcasts because nobody was even around. It really made yep. me, I saw the negative impact. Now, thankfully things have pretty much gotten back to normal in my world. So I'm, I'm finding that I, I get pretty good content around me, which is nice. Um, but I'm, I'm with you, Sean. Yeah. Find a good music is huge. I, I have to ask you, have you heard the new Tesseract album? Because it's unbelievable. If you haven't, haven't, haven't. dialed in dude, top album of probably the, the second half of this year, I've just been okay. really just came out. I think I'm going to go see him because it's, it's that unbelievable. Good. Um, I, so yeah, definitely listen to that. And then one of my favorites is, um, uh, local natives for, uh, kind of like that more calming and, and then fleet foxes. Have you ever listened to fleet foxes? No, I haven't. Oh my fleet foxes. gosh, man. Okay. I'm going to send you a couple albums. Do you have a, you have Spotify, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. okay. All right. Oh, yeah. We, oh, we, yeah. Spotify, the only <laughs> podcasting platform for us. Uh, we do we do give to everybody, but we we are big fans of Spotify. Uh, so, and that they don't pay us anything because, well, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> same mindset, same mindset. That's right. That's right. We're not even halfway there. So, one thing that I, I employ, I think that's a great one, Sean. Um, a big one I want to I want to I want to talk through here in my skill belt is making sure you take a minimum of a day off, and and when I say a day off, listeners, I mean a day off from everything. I don't mean oh that means I'm not working. Then I mean like you need to take a you need to have a day where you're doing things just for you and just for your family and and interacting with people you care about and love. And if that means like one of the things I like to do, I like to ride my bike and in an afternoon throw on, I'll tell my wife, Hey, I'm just going to go get away or take a hike or game. I just got the, uh, the new Harry Potter, uh, game, Sean. I'm not okay. going to lie. Oof, it is. I've, he I've is, heard it's good. It is. Lemgarian Leviosa. It is. It, oh, the music is fantastic. That is really, for me, I've, I've realized that if we're talking, um, uh, like, like an enjoyable single player game experience for me is so dependent on the soundtrack. And I mm. never realized that like, that's one of the biggest things for me. If I'm going to get engaged into a single player, it's got to have the ambiance and it's got to have a soundtrack to back it up. And so this, this world, right? Harry Potter. I mean, we all quote unquote, know it, 
but it's like a new angle in game form and the combat is smooth uh on the desk right now i'm swinging my my wand around (laughs) sean is he's getting getting the spells um but yeah it's really fun and that and the music is just like it feels like you're in a movie and mm-hmm. I just something about that is just so good. The last single player game I really dove into is this one called L.A. Noir, and okay. it was like you were a '40s beat cop, like after World War II in L.A., and you huh. you you worked your way up the chain. Highly recommend. That was a, it was a little gnarly in terms of content, but like the way it was executed, it was a rock star game. Just so good, man. So good, and it really just ticked every box in terms of ambiance uh you know great soundtrack had that jazz feel going early you know late late 40s where the golden age of america was happening the suburban they really like it's just got it all it's very cool uh it's a it's a great historic piece but yeah gaming gaming is something that is a good way to detox and stop thinking about work for a second that's that's just the whole name of the game stop thinking about work so, Sean, anything else to cover here? I think, I think you know, there's some other ways to manage this, but I think we've done a great job just getting getting the listenership on the same page with us and what our skill belt is regarding this, this problem of burnout. Uh, but anything else you want to add? Yeah, just one last thing, and it's something that I found in Toastmasters at work. And Toastmasters, for us, we, we have an ASML chapter, and what I've gained from them in specific, like specifically for burnout is that the coolest part about Toastmasters is that you have people from all different departments coming together. I mean, we have almost 2000 employees here in San Diego and in Toastmasters, we have people from every aspect of the company will come in to this meeting and hang out for one hour a week. And yeah, you have the intention of learning how to speak and, and, you know, what Toastmasters is, but what it does for me is it allows me to connect with other coworkers who aren't on my team, right? Because when you, when you just spend your time focused around your team members, you all are feeling the same stress. And so you piggyback off each other's stress and that chaos, and it can feel like it intensifies everything. And then you spend an hour with someone from the electrical development department, and you, you talk about what they're dealing with and what their stresses are. And you start to kind of realize, maybe I'm kind of overstressing. Like maybe I'm, I'm making this a bigger deal than it should be. Or maybe I'm, you know, what worked really well for him is he went and talked to his manager and he said that something, something he was, he was struggling and his manager really stepped in and was able to help. Maybe I can, I can try that. So my recommendation is if you can, if your work has it, Look for some sort of social group that will bring you outside of your team because it is good to reconnect to realize what the other side, quote unquote, of your company is doing. It also helps you realize why your work is important when you look at all the other employees of you all are working towards one common goal as the company. But I I find that that has been really helpful for me. So for me, it's Toastmasters. Maybe for you, it's something else. But Look for a social group that involves people outside of your team, and and that can give you some good perspective. Wonderful, yeah, I think I think that's a really great point. Connecting with people is very important, and make sure you're doing that to some degree in your in your life, or it it will be very difficult to maintain in solemn silence. So talk to people, connect with people, talk to managers, 
communicate what you need as a person because everybody's unique. So Sean, let's let's dive into our last portion of tonight's episode, which is which is where we we went wrong here in the past. Uh, you know, burnout. Again, we've been in the industry for it's going to be six years now. For you, I'm uh, I'm going to be getting to six years, so we're we're close in terms of our time frames, and we have learned some things over that time. So yeah, I think you've had probably the most dramatic experience <laughs> with this in the in the most recent again it's been within the year mm-hmm. um where, where you've kind of gone on your um journey regarding burnout and and making a stand so why don't you just walk the, the listeners through and and see how much really i mean that might might cap it off tonight but yeah. um I, I think the, it'd be great to share yeah so the intention with this is th- John and I aren't perfect. Obviously we can give you all of these skills, but they're skills we've learned through years and years of doing this wrong and finding ways to correct it. So for me, the biggest one that I did within the last year, I ended up having to quit a job because the burnout was so intense that it had bled into every other aspect of my life to the point where family and friends were pulling me aside and telling me, you something is wrong. You you need to to get this together. Something is wrong. You are you're you're starting to affect us. And this really really was when Kate pulled me aside and said, "I don't want to be around you. Like I'm I'm gonna go away. You are in a bad mood. I can't do this anymore. Your stress is too high. You're not dealing with this in a healthy way. I can't do this." And so she said, "I can't. I have to leave." That was the eye opening moment that I went, mm. "Oh crap! I have." I have missed this and I haven't been paying attention. So, you know, I went through months and months and months of this intense burnout. I was past phase three. I was in phase, phase four, five, and six. It was going on like Oof. four, four, five straight months of every day you get to work. It felt like everything was going wrong from eight to, to six all the time. You couldn't ever make the customer happy. You couldn't ever make your manager happy. Everything was always going wrong. And that bringing that amount of stress home was bad on the weekends. I remember getting in arguments with Kate because she wouldn't try and cheer me up, right? Like she's trying to help be the voice of it's okay. You'll get through this. Yeah. And instead yeah. of trying to listen to that, I would just snap. I'd be like, stop trying to fix this. You don't understand. You don't know what I'm dealing with, which that's not helpful and absolutely a horrible partner to be dealing with. And I didn't realize I was doing this until she said, you need to stop doing that. I'm going away. And so that experience really taught me, pay attention to the small burnouts before they get Mm. into big ones. You know, I I ignored every sign from the daily to the weekly because I kept, kept telling myself, oh, I'm just new in this role. I'll eventually get the hang of this. Oh, it's a big project. It's really important. This is a lot of money. Like, at that time, that was that was one of the main projects keeping the company afloat. So yeah. it was the amount of stress was if if I fail at this, I could be losing people's jobs. I could be causing the company to have serious financial issues. Like there was so much pressure on me, whether that was real or if I just made it up. I don't well, know. Isn't isn't that always the way they they spin it though? And see, that's I where know. I have I have trouble with the corporate just framework you know they it's like they can't just communicate in a meaningful way and say hey i would like you to 
own this because Mm -hmm. you should. This is your job. Instead, it's like if you don't do this, you are costing the company and me money. And it's like, wait, no, that's not the way. We shouldn't be leveraging money versus people like there it's it's not even on the same spectrum in my mind Mm -hmm. and that's where i have a problem we should never make money the the extreme driver at the expense of people's well-being and health like if that's your company slogan then you got problems and i i'll say it i'll say it to anybody that asks me i mean they're just not even on the same if that's all that we're about today is money and and that's what we're gonna basic i get it it's oh yeah of course you need it you need it we talk about it all the time sean it's very important to understand your financial picture make smart moves regarding your finances but not at the expense of somebody's health yep i definitely agree and it does suck when the company puts you in that position and you're just kind yeah. of stuck and i'm lucky enough now that i'm i've got out of that and i'm i'm not anymore Good. and i i I know that my team, my managers, everything is set up to watch out for this happening. And when they start to see it happen, they're really good at stepping forward and saying something of, hey, I'm stepping in, something's not right, you're burning out, we need to deal with this team conflict, whatever it may be. But yeah, working for my last company, it was just all that mattered was making the client happy and all that mattered was making that dollar. And it was so tough on the team. I mean, no joke, when I look back, and I talked to people that, that quote unquote used to work there because our almost entire team quit. Like oh. They all almost all quit, uh. if not everybody quit from that team because it was so bad that I think I think the longest anyone else made it was another six months after I left, and then pretty much everybody's gone. So that that was the big lesson for me is when I started noticing it affecting family. And I think you had also kind of wanted to touch on that a little bit of the inside work kind of affecting your outside of work life. Yeah, I think there there is a there have been times in my life where I've let work and the stress of work impact how I'm interacting with those around me, just like you were saying. And I, I think that's the the earliest sign of knowing something is not right. And honestly, I don't even know if I'd equate it to burnout. I'd equate it to also a level of maturity. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard one to swallow. Like I was just being immature. There's a certain part of you as a person and as if you are the person out working, when you come home, you expect things to be a certain way. You got to watch those expectations. I don't care what type of relationship you're in, who... The, the relationship is is doing it when you whenever you start to leverage expectations it's like the same thing with the money deal like expectations should never be leveraged in a in a good healthy relationship because the moment you start doing that you're no you're no longer giving 100% which is what you should be giving to your significant other there's no such thing this is my core belief but so correct me if you don't agree Sean but I don't think Speak it's a truth. 50-50. There, if you think that it's a 50-50 and then you start giving 75 at some point, you then are upset because you're the person that's giving 50 and you're giving 75, you're you're immediately like, well, I did this. And I yep. and, and then and then all 
argument hell breaks loose and you start and then that's the constant cycle right i did this yesterday and you didn't do this i did that you know and just it just goes on and on so yeah. hey with everybody let's start giving 100 percent at our work and and additionally to yourself because if you're gonna have the self-awareness to say hey i've reached my burnout meter my my max output for the day i now need to go that is and and i'll also give a positive plug to the 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 ones we love here as well because without my family i'm so grateful for my kids and my family because they are the ones that drive me to get away from work work Mm -hmm. is an addiction work and the work we do if you really enjoy it can be very 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 addicting and very hard to come down from and there's just no other way to put it other than that so you need things outside of work to bring you back and to cut the chains because if i don't have my wife saying hey i'd like to go to the gym on on in the evening i'd probably still be there i just keep keep racking up and and just because when things are stressful and when things are heavy you feel like i need to stay and i yep. need to continue to push and and do and give give people the best that i can give and if you're somebody who finds themselves in that mindset be very careful i do yes. that I find myself in that mindset. Oh, I, I can just give a little bit more. Oh, I can, I can just, just give a little bit more. I just need to get the next task done. That's, the next next box check. I can do it. And then you check that one. You're like, oh, but another 10 minutes, I could check another box. You check that one. I, I agree. I've, I've been in that cycle. And something that I, I wanted to also touch on before we wrap this up is we've talked a lot when it, when we're talking about, you know, my experience quitting my job. And when you've hit this mad burnout and you're starting to see it affect your family, there's one other aspect that you cannot forget, and it's when it starts to affect yourself, your relationship with yourself specifically, because when you are allowing the stress from work, long days, long burnout to start affecting your health because you don't have the energy to cook a meal and you're just going to go out and eat junk food. If you aren't able to yeah. do the hobbies that make you happy, the hobbies that you enjoy because you just don't have the energy, Right. If John, if you suddenly started stopped riding your bike, huge problem, right? Like you're you're neglecting that part of yourself that is incredibly yeah. important that you find joy, you find fulfillment, and a lot of people will go, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not messing with my family, I'm, I'm not taking it home to them, I'm not doing this, and then you turn around and go, okay, well, what have you done for yourself in the last month? Yeah, yeah, and the answer is nothing. It's like, okay, but that's not healthy either. So you can't sacrifice yourself for your work. It's 100% the way I've always felt is no matter how much I've loved my job, I will never sacrifice myself for my work. So don't let your hobbies die. Don't let your passions die. Don't let your health die, right? Don't let those burnout things take over that from you. So don't let it affect your family and don't let it affect your relationship with yourself. I love that, Sean. Great, great way to, to end off on a high note. Again, it's such a key. And, and we've, we've said it now, the last two points we've made has been have the self-respect for yourself so that you can make the decision to back away. Give so much that you know exactly when to cut it off. And I, I love these stories that we, you hear sometimes, Sean, of older engineers who would have a clock. 
I, I heard this story of a Honeywell engineer who had a clock in his cube. And if it reached five, he immediately shut everything down. And even if somebody was in his, in his cube, he'd be like, all right, sorry, got to take it to tomorrow. I'm out. And it would just <laughs> like, that's how serious it was for him. I like and, it. And I think it's just, what a great way to just set a standard. You know, and I think that's the other importance here. Set a standard. Make sure that people know that you mean business when you're working and when you're off work. Because if you, if you can say, hey, I'm serious about work and I'm serious about leaving work, then people will, will respect you more and you'll get more out of it. You'll mm-hmm. produce more. So we want to thank you for taking the time tonight. This has been a, a wonderful opportunity to speak about something that is real. And speak about something that is a problem in our current day and age for us as individuals, as young or older people in our job field. And it's not going anywhere. So let's start talking about it. Let's start dialoguing about it. And let's start preparing ourselves and and setting up barriers to interact with it correctly. So we, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen to, to, to our podcast. This will be coming up at the regularly slated time of Friday morning, payday, best day of the week. We call it the How To Hobby Fan Club Day because it's we're just all fans of Friday. So this is, comes out at 6 a.m. every single Friday, and we're just uh, we're just gonna keep doing it. So get get set the calendars, set the alarms, and and ring the alarm when it comes out with us. Um, have a wonderful rest of your time wherever you are and sean thanks for being here for spending the time as well it's been a it's been a a joy until the next one you know where to find us at the how How to to hobby Hobby Podcast. podcast thank you for listening to another episode of the how to hobby podcast We hope you enjoyed what you've heard, and if you did, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review and or follow us wherever you digest your podcast. We'll catch you next time, and wherever you are, we wish you the best. Thanks for listening.